Luke 10, verses 25 through 28. And behold, a lawyer stood up to put him to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, What is written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, you have answered correctly. Do this, and you will live. Um, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. All right, we are in this series, this new series, uh, and we're calling it Interrogating Jesus. Uh, my original title in my notes, this is like a few months ago, was Grilling Jesus. So you're welcome for me changing it to Interrogating Jesus. Uh, uh, the, the last series, I opened up with a T.S. Eliot quote, and now for this series, I'm going to open up with an Anne Rice quote. So we're going to have um, high culture, low culture. Oh, so, sorry, if, sorry if Anne Rice is high culture to you, by the way. <laughs> My elitism just showed through, sorry. Uh, but Anne Rice says this, very few beings really seek knowledge in this world, few really ask. On the contrary, they try to wring from the unknown the answers they've already shaped in their own minds justifications, confirmations, forms of consolation without which they can't go on. To really ask, this is the line here, to really ask is to open the door to the whirlwind. Uh, that's because when you ask a real question, you have to be willing to go wherever the answers lead. That's why it invites the whirlwind. Otherwise, it's just a leading question. Um, it's only a, if, if, if it's not that, it's only a question to make you feel better about all the things you think you already know. And it's not a real question. Um, I, I was once asked to uh, be a judge for these science projects. This was when I was newly, I was working in a small town and there was a nearby academy. So I was selected to be a judge for these science projects. And, and the worst science projects, and you, maybe you already know this, is the ones that they had to have their question, you know, and you're supposed to form up a hypothesis, a hypothesis, supposed to test it. See, the worst ones were, they already knew how it was gonna pan out. We've seen it. I'm not gonna say the projects because maybe one of you might have done them. But the worst ones, like, everybody knows how it's gonna be. You've already, we've heard about these projects. And so the conclusion comes, and Jan, I haven't really learned anything. But the best projects were the ones that asked a question and it took them somewhere completely apart from their hypothesis and then they discovered something either cool or terrifying. Let me give you an example. Not from this event. Um, a buddy of mine, uh, this was in middle school, that's when we had to do these uh, science projects here in Southern California. A buddy of mine, he did this um, uh, do you guys remember Jolt Cola? Do you guys remember that? That's kind of an old school reference. But he did this science project where he had all these different metals and then he submerged them for um, uh, weeks at a time in different colas like uh, Sprite and Jolt and Coca-Cola and then some other juices or liquids. It's quite an extensive little project. Well, we'll come to find out like uh, <laughs> Coke just is absolutely corrosive and horrible for your stomach and metals or anything that it touches over a long period of time. That was one thing that he found out. But what was really cool about Jolt Cola or frightening is that 
not only did it start to corrode, but then something happened is that there was, there was a patina, almost like coral does, a patina that started to fill in those, those fissures that hardened the metal. <laughs> and that's kind of terrifying and a cool discovery. It took him someplace else, and he had no idea that was going to happen. That's a real question. Okay, so the, the questions that people are asking Jesus sometimes, sometimes aren't earnest questions, sometimes are earnest questions, but the answer is always <laughs> the whirlwind and more terrifying than we initially thought. Okay, so what is this, uh, today's question? What must I do to inherit eternal life? Now, um, this seems like a softball, it seems like a yawner of a science project. Yeah, I know. But let's... Follow it wherever the whirlwind takes us, okay? So I'm gonna make, um, let's, let's just look at the question just briefly. I, I, this is gonna take, what, I don't know, two minutes, but like um, uh, the question assumes there's a God because this is coming from um, an expert in the law. Now, whenever you see law, not whenever, most often when you see law in the New Testament, it's just talking about the Hebrew scriptures, right? It's talking about the Torah. Okay, so this is coming from just an expert on the scriptures. Uh, this is interesting. Um, this was in the New York Times recently. Uh, Codex Sassoon. So we don't have originals of any biblical or religious text. We don't have originals of Plato or Thucydides or whatever. We have copies of copies of copies of copies. Earliest copy, Codex Sassoon. Um, this is kind of interesting. It's going to be auctioned anywhere from 30 million to 50 million coming up. Uh, this is in the New York Times at Sotheby's. Over a hundred animals were used to build, make the parchments for this manuscript. It's, it's incredible, all right? Um, it, so so this, this person of the law, this expert of the law, was like the Masoretes. The, 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 have you heard of the uh, Masoretic vow? It's like they're scribes. He wasn't a scribe, but they're very, very, very careful, and they know where everything should be. They know what it should say, and in many ways, they're informing the scribes to do the work of transmission, Okay, so this guy is an expert in the law. Um, and he assumes, we're gonna see this, he assumes that um, there is a God and what is in this scripture matters. God has revealed himself in a small way. Now that's a big assumption, I know that for some people here, but that's where this guy is coming from. Others, he assumes eternality. And what I mean by that is he assumes that eternal life is a good and a positive, um, possible thing. Now, what I've noticed in the last, like, this is like the last 15 years, and I think it started with college students, it started with grad students, is um, m many people in modernity do not feel that eternal life is all that great of a proposition. Um, you'll hear it, you'll say, I don't wanna live to 95, I wanna, I wanna have a great life and die at like 70 or 75. We'll talk to them when they're 73, by the way, see if they, they feel it. But, but, but they're like, if, this is, if it's life like this, why would I want life like this to go on for eternity? If you've ever watched The Good Place, um, it's, it's about a crew of people, and they're trying to get to heaven, right? And there's all these hijinks and shenanigans. If you haven't seen it, I'm not going to ruin the first few seasons, but I will ruin the last season for you. Um, <laughs> And in the last season, they finally make it to the good place, and it, it's good. The smoothies are great, and they can read all the books they want. They can, uh, they can pers pursue, like, jujitsu. They can, they can do all these things they never did, and they, and they just have all this time to do it. But ultimately, this is the incredible thing, is all of the characters come to this place where they're like, I've done it all. 
Actually, I don't care. And I would rather walk into this portal that goes into non-existence than live eternity, eat, drinking smoothies. Well, that's why you, they don't have a big enough vision for what eternal life is, okay? Because eternal life is life that works on all, it is a life that we have never, ever experienced before. Okay, so this, this, this guy, this expert of the law assumes that there is something in eternity that he has never experienced, but that is something that he wants to taste. And it is the vision of this, and we get this in the Old Testament and the New Testament, it is the vision of what? Life as it should be, life completely put together, and we haven't experienced that. Okay, what else does it assume? It assumes that there is some sort of performance or conditionality attached to the getting of, right? He says this, what must I do? So, so there has to be a like, if this, then I get eternal life, okay? Another assumption in the question is this. He doesn't say this, how do I acquire it? How do I get it? How do I buy it? He says something really uh, interesting. He says, inherit. So what else is going on there? He is assuming that there is some sort of intimate, familial relationship with God as a person and father, and that he, that he himself would have some sort of specialty status. Like That could be like um, the eldest son in Hebrew culture, right? I have special status, and I'm gonna, I have all the things coming to me from the father. Everything that the father has, like I get too. So it's funny that he says, the assumption is like, because of this relationship, there's gonna be an inheritance. It's not because I bought it. So these are the assumptions. Okay, here's Jesus' response. And it's a three-parter. It's interesting. I, I, I love this, is he respects on some level that the, 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 the guy he's dealing with, the lawman, the expert in the law, the Torah, the scriptures, he respects on some level that this guy has spent his entire life and vocation and academic discipline scouring and knowing what God, the, the, the little that God has revealed and, and pulled the pack this curtain on and said, man, I will let you see this part of me is contained in the word. And this guy has studied whatever little part of that curtain is in this revealed word, I'm gonna study it and I'm gonna, I'm gonna put it all here and here. And so Jesus respects it on, on, that's not a bad thing to know. It is not a bad thing to know the word of God. It's not. And Jesus kind of respects that. And you see this. He goes, what does it say in the Hebrew scriptures? Or what does it say in the law? Like, I'm going to deal with you since you know it. So I'm going I'm to give this back to you because I respect that you've made your whole life about knowing what my revelation that it says. So he goes, what does it say in the Hebrew scriptures? How, how do you read it? Like, what's your take, what's your hot take, what's your interpretation of what's been revealed? What, what is that? And I, I like that tenderness there because it's a respect and it's a kindness to say, like, I'm going to let you, from your expertness, give this back to me. Um, so the professor, the lawman, um, the professor says this. He says, okay, I'm going I'm to love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and I love how he adds this, and, and oh, I'm gonna remember this part too, love your neighbor as yourself. Now, you, what is the golden rule? You guys have heard the golden rule. What's the golden rule? Do others as, 
done to you. And we call that the golden rule. Actually, I'm here to just mess up your head. That's the silver rule, okay? It's the second one, sorry. That's for free. <laughs> uh, notice this, he gets it, and, and, and notice this, the professor suddenly becomes a student and Jesus becomes the greater. Suddenly Jesus becomes like, all right, I'm, I'm gonna be the I'm gonna be the assessor to see if you got that right. Like, like that. It does this, and he says this in verse 28. He goes, you've, you've answered, you got it right. You answered correctly. Do this, and you'll live. Great. Okay. The second part of what happens is next week, because there's another question. So we're just going to, we're going to just stay here. But I want you to hear the simplicity. Yeah, just do that. You're good. I, 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 I can't stand this phrase. I don't know if you guys like this phrase, this cultural flirt phrase. It's mostly on Twitter when people are tweeting at businesses who have blown it. But I can't stand that phrase, do better. Do better. Do better. Okay? <laughs> don't ever say that. If you're a boss, don't ever say that to someone on your, like, just do better, Okay? I, I can't say in that phrase, but this is not do better. <laughs> this is not do better. This is just be perfect from the get-go. This isn't even do better, which I can't stand and will crush you. This is be perfect. Now, I don't know about you, but this is the whirlwind response right here. This, this poor lawman professor didn't see it coming. This, moms, this is the answer that should keep you up all night long without sleeping at all. This is mom anxiety right here. This is absolutely terrifying. Just, just do this. Love God with all your emotions and desires. Have all of your desires only flow towards who he is in his person. Every single desire. And not do better at that. Always have had that desire. And maintain that desire. And never, ever, ever have any other sub-desires take it over. Then he says this, just love God with your all-encompassing, your identity, the derivation from all of you, wherever you get your personhood and your personality, wherever you get that from, just, ha just get it all from God all the time. Since you were a kid, I mean, did all of you get your identity from God most high in middle school? No, I'm still trying to get my identity from, like I got my identity from crazy, crazy sources in middle school and high school. Let's skip college. Okay, and other places, like as a minister, I cannot possibly keep my desires and my identity wrapped up in him without crawling like, like an idiot back to what I do, what I do, what I do, what I do. Okay, okay. Just love God with all your strength. So every physical action, activity, every external movement you've ever done and will do, just make sure it's all under his reign. 
this is terrifying. That's all you got to do, lawman. And P.S. You too. Like, all right, just love God with all your mind. Every rational argument you have ever put together, every logical strategy, it's incorporated by who he is and where he's going. Every intellectual pursuit, you've, you've, you've gone to him and said, this is under you. And I'm going to chase out this knowledge under your eyes. And it's all about you and your world and your... Co- who can say that? And Jesus is so simple and it's so clean and clear and distilled and articulated, but it's very unambiguous. And it's terrifying because he says, all you have to do is that and you're good. Now, I don't know about where you are, (laughs) but this is my response. That I cannot do. That I have never done. That I will never... Pause. I'm just going to need a different plan. And you're going to need a different plan. Because you're not going to do it. We don't have time, but in the New Testament, there are these string of in him statements, and they're talking about how I, you, are in Christ and in him, and it talks about all of these amazing things that happen because we're in him. What does it mean? What are those statements it means? It means this, is that Jesus is already accepted as an elder sibling with all the privileges and approval of God. He already has that. He's done it all the time. He has has never wavered at one ever, any point in his active and passive obedience. Well, I can talk to you about that afterwards. That's a funny theological term. But he's never wavered in like, I'm going to obey and be glad about obeying whatever flows from my father. It means that it means that this is, Jesus isn't just this thing you tack on your life for this fulfilling, prosperous life. I'm, I'm going to tell you this, is he is the life. He is the life. You don't add him to anything. It means that outside of him, and like I'm going to say, I'm going to find my life in him. I'm going to find my righteousness in him. I'm going to find my wealth in him. I'm gonna, all, of, all those, it means this. It means that anything outside of that is absolutely terrifying. That's what it means. This is this is what's. uh, I I hope you hear the intent of this because I I don't want to get misquoted. Well, it wouldn't be the first time. But but like um, as I get older, I am so less and less surprised. I I care less and less about what the scandal or the naughtiness was. 
Do I think we need to be holy before God? In the, yes, yes, yes. But I just, I care less and less about that because I'm telling you, no one, no one, no one outside of Christ gets anything lovely except through Christ alone. So all of this, all of the curious naughtiness and scandals we love to just chirp about and read and, and click on, guess what? All of us are there. Everything outside of Christ is absolutely terrifying. So, question for you. Have you been brought to the point where your own performance is terrifying and he's your only hope? Have you been brought to that point? Or, or let me say this, would you come back again to that point? Jesus, um, your questions invite a whirlwind of the heart, but you always meet them with yourself. So let us meet you again so terror turns to praise. In Jesus' name, amen.